This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm your host here. I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Someone asked me the other day why I say that on every episode, why I tell you what my sobriety date is on every episode. Well, I'll tell you. I say that on every episode because I never, ever want that date to change. And one of the ways I remind myself about that date and the fact that I never want it to change is by saying it out loud and often. In fact, sometimes when things are crazy or rough or I'm facing something I don't think I can do, I will say that date to myself over and over and over again because I never thought I'd be able to stay sexually sober. I never thought I'd be able to find a sobriety that actually worked for me. I never thought I'd be successful at recovery, ever. I never thought that. I honestly never thought it would work for me. After all the times I relapsed and all the different things that I struggled with, I never thought it would work. And so saying that date, December 2nd, 2012, reminds me that I can do hard things. It reminds me that change is not as impossible as I thought it would be. It also reminds me to keep working. It took 18 months to learn the skills and find the routines and program that would keep me sober. 18 months seems like a long time, but it paid off. When things aren't moving as fast as I want them to, when I've been working at something for three weeks and I'm ready to give up, I say my sobriety date to myself, December 2nd, 2012, and I'm reminded that giving up is not an option, ever. And that works for me. It's all about finding what works for me, right? That's what I tell you all the time, finding what works for you. And so saying my date is what works for me, one of the things that works for me. Today, ladies, is episode 49 and is the continuation of our series of the 12 steps of recovery. Today is our conclusion of step five, and it is titled, It Works When I Work It. Isn't that the truth? It works when I work it. Every time I work it, it works for me. So far with step five, we've explored three topics. First, we talked about self-assessment. In step four, we completed our self-assessment. And in episode 43, we talked about why self-assessment is important and why it's insufficient. We discussed why we need to move on to step five and not just stop with the self-assessment and inventory from step four. Next, in episode 45, we discussed the difference between just being wrong, admitting we were wrong, and talking about acknowledging and admitting the exact nature of our wrongs, as it says in step five. We talked about how pinpointing the exact nature of our wrongs will help us not to repeat them. And in episode 47, we discussed admittance. Step five said that we admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We discussed admittance, how to include God in that process, how we make sure we are admitting to ourselves, and who the right person for that human being we are supposed to admit to is, and how to find them. Today, we're going to conclude this discussion on step five with, it works when I work it. I want to approach this today in two ways. First, 
how we work this in our own lives, and second, how sponsors can help us in that process. I don't normally come from that point of view, the idea of sponsorship, but my sponsor and the work that she did with me on step five was totally pivotal. I want to help you and your sponsor work this step in a way that is meaningful. Now, before we jump into that topic, of course, I want to remind you of a few things. So we have coming up in January, our next Worth Recovery event. This will be held on January 21st, 2017 in the Salt Lake City area. It's the perfect time of year to be in Utah if you like the snow. We have the greatest snow on earth here. That's what our license plates say. I'm not a skier, but I do love snow. I hope you'll be able to join us. There are three major purposes for these events. First, to show you that you're not alone, that there are other women struggling with sex addiction. Second, to help you connect with other women and build a support network. And third, to learn from some local experts about the major topics that you need help with. Utah is our largest group of listeners, so I'm expecting a major turnout. I'm super excited about that. We also have the date selected for our event next year in Seattle. We had such a great time in Seattle with our event last month in July. They asked me at the conclusion of that event if we were going to do it again next year. And we are. Of course we are. Our event in Seattle will be July 15th, 2017. Our theme is going to be Determined to Recover. Because we are all determined to recover, right? Aren't you tired of being sick? Tired of acting out? I think so. So we're determined to recover. I want to talk about how we stay determined and some of the things we need on that journey. The date is secure and I'm working out all the details, so I hope you'll be able to join us. That's July 15th, 2017 in the Seattle area. We have two additional events in the work, one in California and one in Florida. I don't have dates yet. I know you keep asking, but... We're going to get them soon. So yay for events. You can check out the website with the new events section and all the latest and greatest about our events. Now, before we move forward, I also want to give a shout out to our Worth Warriors. I love you guys so much. Seriously. When a woman reaches out for help in addiction, it is my mission to provide the voice and the hand of a woman to reach back. Worth Warriors, you are the ones that make that possible. I love you ladies so much. I pray for you every single day. I pray for all of you, but I do say a second prayer for my Worth Warriors. It takes a lot of time to write, produce, edit, and post these podcasts every week. You ladies who contribute monthly as a Worth Warrior, you guarantee that this podcast remains free for all of the women out there in addiction who are looking for help. And I can't thank you enough for that. Seriously. Have you been enjoying what you're learning on this podcast? Are you a regular listener? Has this podcast helped you even just a little tiny bit? Then get on the website and become a Worth Warrior. There are special perks and discounts for Worth Recovery events when you're a Worth Warrior. You can join the Worth Warriors for as little as $4 a month. That's less than 50 cents an episode, guys. That's like less than you pay for lunch or coffee on a regular basis. So get on the website, lurk. Look for the Worth Warriors logo and join the movement, okay? WorthRecovery.com is the website. www.worth, W-O-R-T-H, recovery, R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.com. Okay, now let's get back to step five and let's finish this. Step five states that we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. You know that 12-step saying, it works when I work it, right? You've heard that before. We have to work the step in our lives in order to make it happen. And that requires action, 
concrete action. Step five for me was three separate actions. First, I had to admit to God the exact nature of my wrongs. Next, I had to admit to myself. I had to make sure I understood the exact nature of my wrongs. And last, of course, to another human being. So I want to talk about those three separate actions today and how that worked for me. So first is the action of admitting to my higher power, the exact nature of my wrongs. Admitting to my higher power, this exact nature of my wrongs required a couple different things. One of the biggest changes I found in my spiritual life in recovery has been the nature of my prayers. Prior to recovery, I would say things like, please help me today, God. Please bless my family. Please forgive me for what I've done. Please help me change. Now, those are all really good things to say in prayer, and they're really good things to be praying for. And if that is how you pray, good job. Good job in just praying and taking the time. But for me, as I grew in recovery, and by the time I got to step five, one of the biggest differences for me with God, with my higher power, was in the specificity of my prayers. Rather than just say, please help me today, I would say things like, Please help me stay sober today. Please help me control my thoughts today and not drift into fantasy. Please help me work through my emotions and not let them run me. Do you see the difference there? Do you hear the difference there? Rather than please bless my family, I would do it by name. I would individually list each family member and I would ask for specific things for them. Sometimes their safety, sometimes their comfort, sometimes just all the great things that I would wish for myself. But rather than say, please forgive me for all the things I've done wrong, I would say, God, I lied to Julie about something I did at work. I feel really bad about it. I was jealous of her accomplishments and I made myself sound smarter than her. And I took credit for something that I really didn't do. Please help me have the courage to fix it. And please forgive me and help me to be more honest. I can't tell you how much this changed my relationship with my higher power. It was overwhelming. It changed because by praying about very specific things that I needed, I could see how much my higher power really was in the details of my life. I would feel specific strength from my higher power in order to fix things and move on. Praying for specific things and admitting the exact nature of my wrongs to my higher power gave me access to more power and help from my higher power. I felt like I was better able to recognize the help that God gave me in my life because I was looking for specific things that I prayed for. Does that make sense? When I'm praying for something specific, I'm going to be able to recognize that answer to my prayer more specifically. When I started praying that way, I felt all of the sudden that God was blessing me way more than had happened in the past. Now, I don't really think that is the case. I think that all of a sudden, I just could recognize it better than I had before. And this really changed the way that I prayed. It changed the way that I talked to my higher power. And it changed the relationship that I have with my higher power. Talking to my higher power, to God, about the exact nature of my wrongs, helped me to get the aid that I needed to change. That was one of the major parts of admitting to God the exact nature of my wrongs. Now, there's a second part for that too. I also belong and participate in a religious organization that requires confession. It wasn't enough for me to just pray about these things. I needed to confess them and face any consequences I needed to. And I was terrified to do this, totally terrified. 
I talked it through with my therapist and I made a plan. Part of that plan was to write out exactly what I needed to say. I wrote it out. It took two pages. I typed it up. I refined it with my therapist. My religious leader didn't need to know the why or even all the details. He needed to know what happened, when it stopped, and what I had done to change. I wrote it all out and then I called and made an appointment. I showed up and I was shaking like a leaf, seriously. We prayed together and I read my letter. I cried the way my way through my letter is probably a more appropriate way to describe what happened. I had to stop many times to catch my breath and clear my tears before I could read some more. At the end, he looked at me and asked if that was all of it. I said yes. He then took a deep breath. He sat back in his chair and he asked, why did you wait so long to come and talk to me? I explained my fear and my doubt. And I'll never forget his next words. He said, you know, Amy, God loves you. He wants to help you and he is anxious to forgive and to help you build the life that you want to live. Those words were food for my empty soul. I felt alive and whole again. There were consequences I needed to work through and I did. But following the process that I needed to within my own religion was a huge part of admitting to God the exact nature of my wrongs. And I, and I encourage you to follow through with whatever process you need to for the, your own religious and spiritual beliefs. Those two actions, praying more specifically and then following through on the process I needed to, were huge pieces for me in step five in admitting the exact nature of my wrongs to God. The second major action in the fifth step was admitting to myself the exact nature of my wrongs. Now... <laughs> Guys, this was hard for me for a few reasons. This meant I had to start using the words that described the exact nature of my wrongs. For instance, I'm a perfectionist. And I wouldn't say that word for a very long time. My therapist used to tease me about this and I would always argue with him and I wouldn't use the word. I literally just would not use the word. But admitting to myself the exact nature of my wrong meant I had to say, I'm a perfectionist. I am. I need to say that. I needed to admit that. Why do I need to say that? Because until I've admitted a thing, until I've owned it, until I'm honest about something, I can't change it. If I keep excusing my perfectionism, then I don't see the effect that it has in my life. I don't see the problems it causes. I don't see the unmanageability it causes in my life, which is huge. And this is true of all of my character defects. I started using the accurate words to describe what I did or the exact nature of my wrongs. I started saying things like, I was jealous. I was envious. I was self-seeking. When I started apologizing to people, I would say things like, I'm sorry, my ego got the best of me. I was being too competitive. Now, this was not easy for me. It's still not easy for me. I was used to rationalizing and justifying everything. I wasn't used to seeing my part in things. And honestly, I didn't want to see my part in things. But step five asked me to admit to myself the exact nature of my wrongs. I tried to be more and more honest. I tried to look at and admit my part both to myself and to others. And a big piece of that is using the right words. Using the right words to myself to describe myself, my ego, my pride, my jealousy, my envy, 
my perfectionism, all of those words, using the words to describe what is actually happening. And then also using those words when I talk to others. I let my ego get the best of me. I was jealous about what had happened. I'm sorry that I lied. Using those words, both to myself and in apologies, has made a massive change in my life because until I name it and own it, I can't change it. And so being able to name it and own it was a big piece of step five for me. Now, the third action in step five is to admit to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. Now, we've already talked about admission in episode 47, about the need for admission and why we need to do this. Ideally, this person will be our sponsor, the one that we trust the most. How is this supposed to work exactly? How do we work this step with our sponsor? The Sexaholics Anonymous white book gives us counsel on page 113 on how this is supposed to work. Quote, ample time should be allowed. Ideally, it should be left open-ended. The one doing her fifth can be told in effect, this is your time, your story. I encourage you to reveal yourself completely, leaving no part of your wrong acts or feelings undisclosed. Close quote. I made an appointment with my sponsor. She told me to plan on four or five hours. Now, I didn't think there was any way it could take that long, but I planned on it and it did take that long. I showed up with my inventory ready to read it to her. We prayed together. We read from the AA book together. She invited me to read my list to her. I read straight across the rows, acknowledging the exact nature of my wrongs, my character defects, what I could have done instead. I read every single list, every single one. I cried through most of them, but I read them. And at the end of it all, when she was done listening to these hours of my character defects, my fears, my resentments, my sexual behavior, the harms done, she asked me, okay, are you done? Are you ready to be done with this part of your life? Are you ready to put this behind you? And I was, of course I was. I said, yes. She walked out of the room and she reappeared with a shredder, a shredder, shred it. She said, shred it and be done. The emotional reaction I had to this shredder was overwhelming. I sobbed openly. I felt free. I felt light. I cried as I shredded each individual page. Great job, she told me. Great job. Now you have some work to do. (laughs) Now, what I didn't realize was that while I was reading, she was busy making lists. We sat back down and she asked me to start writing. She gave me, repeated back to me, my list of fears. And we talked about the themes or the trends that she saw. It was fascinating seeing things through her eyes and having her make connections for me that I didn't even see. And then she gave me my first assignment. For the next two weeks, she said, without missing a day, you need to offer the following prayer about your fears. Quote, God, please remove my fear of, fill in the blank, and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. Close quote. Wow, that's heavy, I thought, every single day. And not collectively. I had to say the prayer over each individual fear. God, please remove my fear of never having a relationship and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. God, please remove my fear of sobriety and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. God, please remove my fear of being wrong and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. God, please remove my fear of never being enough 
and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. It went on. I had pages and pages. And so every day I had to sit down and go individually through every single one of my fears. Now, that wasn't the only assignment. Next, we talked about my resentments. She repeated back my resentment list and I had to write it down. And we discussed them and the trends that she saw. Again, I was fascinated listening to her return that list to me, citing trends and things that were of interest to her. Then, of course, there was an assignment a releasing resentment assignment for the next two weeks. She said without missing a day, offer the following prayer about each of your resentments quote, God, I pray for fill in the blank, all the good things I want for myself. Close quote. Again, that seemed heavy. All of the things that I wanted for myself, I had to pray over each thing individually. So God, I pray for melody. All the good things I want for myself. God, I pray for my dad. All the good things I want for myself. I pray for Tiffany. All the good things I want for myself. I pray for Brad. All the good things I want for myself. On and on and on and on it went. It took me a long time to get those done. She also gave me my list of harms done and told me to hold on to them, that we would use them for steps eight and nine. But this whole process was intense. I had a number of fears and resentments. It took me about 30 minutes to complete both prayers on a daily basis. But that was a powerful time for me. I remember feeling incredibly focused. I remember feeling incredibly brave. I remember feeling purposeful. I didn't want fear to run my life anymore, to run my show anymore. I wanted to let God direct my paths, not fear. That fear prayer was powerful, but even more powerful was the resentment prayer. I pray for Steve, all the good things I want for myself. Some days certain names stood out more than others. Some names brought emotional responses on some days. And by the end of the event, I really, really did want all of the good things for these people. These people that I had held so much anger and animosity for, these people that I felt had caused some of the ruin in my life, all of these people, all of the sudden, I really, really did want good things for them. Fear and resentment seemed to fall out of my life. It just sort of melted away. And as all these things melted away and stopped taking up space in my life, I was ready to really face my own character defects. I was ready to give up blaming others, to give up playing the victim and really start to make decisions based on me, based on who I was and what I wanted. I was able to empty my heart of fear and resentment and open it up to peace and love. It was an amazing thing. And just recalling it makes me wish for those times again. Maybe it's time I work this step again in my life. Working step five was life-changing for me. It was hard. It was hard work to get there, but it was worth it. There is a piece of the AA book that talks about what happens in our lives after we work step five. Many people call these the promises of step five, and they're on page 75 of the AA big book. Quote, once we have taken this step withholding nothing, We are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. 
We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the behavior problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Close quote. What beautiful promises. I have felt the reality of these things in my life. I know that they can come true in our lives if we let them. The next paragraph on the same page, page 75, gives us some suggestions as we end our discussion of step five. It reads, quote, Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelves, we turn to the page that contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything. For we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into our foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Close quote. This is a great time for self-reflection. Up until this time, we have been so focused on the past, so focused on the behaviors that we had done wrong. Now, as we move forward, we are going to build a new life. As we finish step five, we're going to start to build new relationships, new habits, new behaviors, new attitudes. We must be sure that we have a solid foundation to build on. And so we evaluate our work so far. You can do that any way you choose. Some go step by step. Some just do a general reflection. Some just talk it through with their sponsor or trusted friend. Any of those options work. But do something. Take time to do something to reflect on your progress so far as you come to the end of step five. I'm grateful for the time that I've had to discuss step five with you and reflect on this. This is such a pivotal point in our step work because it moves us forward from the past to the present. It helps us let go of what's been holding us down, what's been going on in the past, and begin to move forward. And moving forward is a very, very good thing. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.